You're listening to the Run the Riot podcast, where we talk about all things ultra running. I'm your host, David Terrio, and man, I'm pumped that you are here. Let's see what we can get into today. The Run the Riot podcast is brought to you by the Outlaw Race Series. You need to check these guys out at www.outlaw100.com. There are a ton of races, and they're all fantastic. First of all, in January, there's Winter Rock with distances 25K and 12K. In February, the flagship of the Outlaw 100 Race Series, the Outlaw 100 in Wilberton, Oklahoma, with distances from 135 miles all the way down to the 5K. Prairie Spirit in March in Ottawa, Kansas. Distances 100 miles down to 50K. Lake McMurtry in April in Stillwater, Oklahoma. 100K down to 5K. The Greater Roadrunner Trail Run at Roman Nose State Park in Watonga, Oklahoma in May. Distances 4 to 12 miles. And then the Flower Moon in Pawhuska, also in May, from 50 miles all the way down to 4 miles. Then there's the Dark and Dirty in July in Wilburton, Oklahoma. There's a 50K all the way down to 5K, and you can run trail or gravel. Then there's the Honey Badger 100, also in July. 100 mile and 50 mile. That's a hot one on pavement. Fun. (laughs) Then there's a Flat Rock in Independence, Kansas. Distances, 101 mile all the way down to 12K. That's in September. In October, we've got the Kansas Rails to Trails Extravaganza in Ottawa, Kansas. 100 mile all the way down to half marathon. And last but certainly not least, the Thunderbird in Norman, Oklahoma in November. 100K all the way down to 5K. These are great trail runs put on for ultra runners, by ultra runners. Guys, you will get taken care of if you go do these races. You'll get awesome medals, amazing buckles, and some nice swag. Check them out at www.outlaw100.com. All right, today on the Run the Riot podcast from Arkansas, we got Wesley Hunt. What's going on, Wesley? Man, hey, David. Thanks for having me on, man. I'm looking forward to this conversation. Oh, man, me too. I just have to say, okay, so my first, I guess I would say even not even an interaction, the first time I, I saw you was 2017. It was the first time I ran the Arkansas Traveler, and it, there's the out and back section, the turnaround, and I remember running out there and seeing you coming back like way faster than, than, you know, I'm still running out. But here, here's what stood out in my, in my mind that stuck with me since then. I saw, I saw a guy suffering. I saw you, I saw you like in the pain cave. I know that look and you know that look too, but you were still pushing. I think it was on an uphill and I was going downhill and you were still pushing. And even though, and, and your time, I forgot what your time was. It was phenomenal. And, and that just really stuck with me to see you suffering like that. And so I, that when, when, when we started, I started thinking about, you know, getting you on here, I was like, I, I got to tell him that that was my first, like that guy, man, he's pushing. And so that, yeah, that, do you do that often? Yeah, man. You know, it's funny. That's, that's why we do the thing, right? Yeah. It's like, I embrace that part of it. Yeah, I really do. I embrace that, that, that sort of pain cave or suffering. I, I like to think of it as how far can I push the threshold? Yeah. And in particular, specific to that traveler, which was the last time I ran it in 2017, I had to run it. That was my fifth year in a row to run it. I had learned enough about the sport and about myself to know right there at the turnaround, 
that's when you can start kind of sort of taking things for granted. Mm. And I kind of go in the opposite direction. That's when I push. Nice. It's starting to hurt. You're turning around. Maybe you're feeling it good about yourself in a way because you only have, you know, you passed the halfway point. But not only are you about to see all your competition. Yeah, yeah. So you got to put on a little bit of a show. Just also internally yeah. prove to yourself that you still got a lot left. Yeah. And every hill I run is a hill the guy behind me may not run. <laughs> that's true. And that's, I mean, that goes through my head. Yeah. Bro, I'm like, hey, I got this hill, so I'm proving it to myself. Yeah. And I'm also, you know, the competitive nature kicks in about the halfway point, And I'm establishing that I got this. I like where I am. Mm. It hurts, but I want to hurt. Nice. I, I love it. I love it. So, so just, just so everybody listening knows that I wasn't his competition by the time he passed me. So he, <laughs> he didn't have to put on a show. He was just, but well, man, I just said, it's funny. And I know we'll get to this, but I just was talking to a couple of runners at the full moon. Somebody said, Oh, and you looked, we were in full moon 50 K last Saturday. They yeah. said, Oh, you looked so good at the turnaround. I was like, don't you have to try? <laughs> I mean, in an out and back race, you've been there many times. Oh, yeah. Like you are doing it. Of course, for yourself to establish, like, I'm, I, I can stay in this rhythm. Yeah. Like, I can maintain this. Mm -hmm. So the primary reason is internal. But, yes, there's an external reason as well. If your competitive nature kicks in, you're going to start seeing your competition. You need to you need to try to, you know, send a, send a message. Like, if you're going to run with me, if we're going to compete, it's going to hurt. I like it, man. I like it. Oh, and I just have to say, oh, congratulations on, on that win. You, yep. for everybody listening, Full Moon 50K is a great race. It's hot, it, you know, it's, but it's at night, and you got the course record on it. And I saw a picture at the starting line when everybody's taking off, and you're right, right down the little, you know, the driveway. You are ahead, and the look on your face, you were a man on a mission. Yeah, I was, man, and, and I know we can circle back to the traveler, but I, I, I felt real good about my training it's one of those opportunities. You don't know. I was talking to my friend, Stan Ber Ferguson, the former director of the traveler recently. You don't know how many really great races you're going to have in you, right? Mm. Everything has to come together. Yeah. And I had a feeling it was going to be a good night. Training was going really well. Yeah. The weather cooperated. I've had some good turnover this summer doing some speed work. And I just sort of went for it thinking about, I know it sounds a little bit morbid, but thinking about like, my idol, Killian Jornet's run or die. Like, let's do this. Yeah. Take advantage of the pavement. I think I ran a six eighteen first mile. <laughs> and let's let's see what let's see what happens. But you don't want to miss those opportunities. Yeah. There's only so many of those sort of entire races where you can feel in that moment. Some people call it flow, of course, mm -hmm. very famously now. But, and I, I had a feeling and so I went for it and it, and it all kind of worked out well. And I was very fortunate in some ways and I was very grateful yeah. for that. I will say one thing though, I, I do claim the course record going back to 2012, but my friend Nick Lewis on the former course that started from the Lake Sylvia recreation area. So it was about a mile shorter. Okay. So he ran, he ran three, 342. But it was a less than a mile, and he didn't have to do that final hill. That final so, hill is crushed. So, yeah. Well, I'll share. I'll share it with Nick. He has the former, former course record for about a you know, and but 
for the last 11 years, they've started up at Camp Washita. Yeah. And yeah, my understanding is that it, it was the fastest one on, on this course. Nice. Nice. That's awesome. That's good. Well, man, let's, let's, let's rewind. Let's go way back. So you're from, you're from Arkansas originally, right? Yep. Grew up in a small town called Fordyce, Arkansas. Okay. About 70 miles south of Little Rock, about 4,000 people. Okay. Go Red Bugs. It's small town life. I loved it. Had a good upbringing, kind of playing all the sports I could get my hands on. Okay. But spent most of my years there. There was a couple of years I was in Camden. My dad got moved around, but all South Arkansas, small town. Yeah. Fordyce. Yeah. So, yeah. so what, what, what sports did you do growing up, man? Just all the things or? Yeah, I did, man. I, I, so I, I played a lot of baseball and football, Okay, soccer up through about seventh grade. We didn't have soccer after seventh grade in my town. It was, everybody kind of bleeds football down in that country, yeah. but lots of football, baseball, soccer, a little bit of tennis, kind of did it all. Okay. About the only thing I, I couldn't do very well was basketball. I tried through about eighth grade, but I, you know, with respect to running, I did run but it was mostly with my dad hmm. to stay in shape for other sports. He was a very competitive 5K, 10K road runner in his, in kind of the heyday when the boom was happening Yeah, in the late 80s and, and early 90s. And I went to a lot of races with him. I certainly wasn't running his paces yeah. at the time, but I got to go and kind of be a part of that. And so a lot of my running was just kind of to stay fit. Mm-hmm. Sort of, he was always in my ear to stay fit for my other team sports and uh, did, did, did enjoy kind of it becoming a family affair early in life though, getting to kind of go with him to races, the old Stuttgart duck run and Pepsi race in Little Rock yeah. and watching him compete and, and do quite well in his age group at the time in a very competitive era of road running. Yeah. Well, and, and, and he's, he's passed it on to you, but you know, kind of looking at your Facebook, it looks like it's still a family affair for a lot of those races, man. Yep. It's pretty cool seeing you, yeah. I guess, you know, your dad and you know, out there just running and he's what 60 plus age group now and still. Yeah, he's, he's 68. I told him he's getting close to that. You know, if he's ever going to qualify for Boston again. <laughs> it's going to get. Get that 70, right? You got to run it before you turn 70, but you get the 70 qualifier. And I'm like, it's that time, dad. We got one more Boston trip left in us. But yeah, we, it's, it's always, and I'm fortunate with my children now and and with my dad and my brother Mm. who sort of turned me on to trail running. It's always been sort of a family affair. It's been cathartic in a lot of ways when I'm in a low moment or need kind of a boost to do a race as a family or to go do a long training run with my brother or just to get to talk to my dad about running. It's something that's meant a lot to me and to us, I think. And I hope, I hope at least a couple of my kids will pick it up. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think they enjoy it. We certainly still enjoy going on hikes and We've done some 5Ks and, and I hope it sticks because it's, it's been great for me in a lot of ways, not just for the running itself. So, well, what, when did you start actually, you know, running just to run, you know, when it wasn't for other sports? About my senior, it really wasn't quite serious, but I think it was my senior. I mean, we did train a little bit. I won't tell you the time. No, I will. (laughs) It was my senior year of college. I, I was lifting a lot. I was running a lot. I was being a college kid, yeah. doing a lot of things. Yeah. I probably shouldn't have been doing, but I was lifting. I was staying fit, but in a kind of a different kind of way. 
but I did decide my senior year to train for a half marathon and then ultimately a marathon. So I guess I was 21 and we ran the Memphis half marathon. I, I trained with a couple of buddies up in Fayetteville. I say train. Yeah. We had no clue. <laughs> just, just, what we were just go doing. run. Just, and I, just run. And I think I ran, I mean, I ran, I ran it in like two hours. Yeah. And then I was thinking I had it in my head, I was going to break four hours at the Little Rock Marathon right after my 22nd birthday. And I didn't. Yeah. Yeah. I think Governor Huckabee almost beat me. <laughs> nice. Nice. Uh, but I think I ran like 419. How about that? So, but I, I, I went to law school and my final year of law school, things started to settle a little bit. Last year's kind of, you're starting to think about your career. And I, I started training again to sort of relieve some of the anxiety. Mm. But also I started thinking, I, I really enjoy this yeah. for sort of the anxiety management, but also it's just it's kind of fun to push yourself. And I got down under four, this is probably 2008. And then a couple of years later, I pushed it down under three. Nice. <laughs> really started training and getting after it. Went to Boston a couple of times, even won a pretty small marathon up in Michigan where I ran my PR, which is like 245. Sweet, man. Going back about 11 years now and got to go to run Boston with my dad, like I mentioned. Yeah. And uh, that's kind of how it all happened. It started off as sort of post-grad school. Let's figure out a way to sort of, I'm starting to have kids. How can I manage a lot of these new feelings, this new anxiety, these new fears, yeah. this new life, while also doing something that I already sort of knew I love. Mm -hmm. And it all kind of came together with the marathon racing for three or four years, focused on that. Ran Boston and New York a couple of times, and and that's kind of, kind of what started it. That's awesome, and that's that's kind of you know my, my story is pretty similar. I started a lot later. I think my first marathon was I was thirty thirty six or something like that. You know, and just loved it. You know, and did yeah. roads for a few years, and then found out about a trail race and started jumping on the trail. <laughs> and it's like whoa! So so what was your transition from this this road running? to, you know, to hitting the trails and then starting to, to crush trail races. <laughs> I don't know about crushing it initially, but <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I sure felt hard, but I, my brother was out in Virginia. He's, he's now teaching philosophy at the University of Alabama, but he was in Virginia at the time. And he, he sent me <laughs> the high run for website. Oh yeah. And we, he had kind of gotten into some smaller like trail series out in Virginia think he may have even had done a 50k at the time he started mentioning some trail running to me but i had not done much trail running i was back in little rock now after having gone to undergrad in fayetteville mm. law school in little rock and i had not i had not done much trail running but he started we started reading about it kind of following some of the trail runs on kind of going around the country through i run far and that was my primary source at the time yeah and I didn't really know a lot of the local runners because I ran so much solo, but I had heard about the Traveler, probably through some Marathon connections. I, I honestly don't even specifically remember yeah. the first time I heard about it. So I guess after running Boston the second time, this would be in, in, well, in 13, yeah, 2013, yeah. I kind of decided I was going to run the Arkansas Traveler as my first trail race. Nice. And, and, and it was my first That's, trail run. I like it. 
And my training run was a long road run. <laughs> nice. It was like 48 miles, but it was a 48 mile road run oh, was man. my was my sort of primary long run going into the traveler. And it was quite an experience sort of being a novice on nutrition, mm. even being new to the community. I remember a couple of people yelling at me, hey, go podog. I was like, I'm not podog. Yeah. <laughs> we have the short hair. And I guess I was like, I was, I was like, I, I'll take it. I think I know who yeah, he is. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I didn't know a lot of the community. I'd met a couple of people, but so just for kind of being new to the community, but also like not knowing much about nutrition other than what I had kind of picked up here and there from my brother, who was more of a shorter distance runner and kind of reading articles online that was kind of where i was yeah doing it a lot solo just trying to figure it out mm. kind of how we all do and still do to a certain degree yeah but it was that was it that was the first traveler would have been 13 yeah and it was it was fun man it was good experience and and then i was like kind of sucked in and couldn't think about anything else yeah so this is kind of neat when i was looking at at your, and I was wondering if that was your first, my first ultra was, was a hundred miler in 2000 and Not- 2013, except in South Louisiana, the, it was when it was the Cajun coyote. And so, so I just jumped into the, the hundred for my first ultra too. So how was, all- yeah, I just. No, that's, that's awesome. I'm thinking like it takes a certain amount of like, <laughs> Probably ego, yeah, probably. but it probably, but it, but, but it also is like a, you got to have some self-awareness. You kind of know what you're capable of, I think, especially if you've been doing a lot of road running mm-hmm. and yeah, I think it's cool to kind of, kind of go for it. I wouldn't necessarily recommend it to everybody, <laughs> exactly. but it's, yeah. but if you have a deep sort of running kind of background on the roads, yeah. you can, you can do it. You just kind of got to suck up all the information you can. Yeah. And to be confident in yourself when you're out there and don't overthink it. Yeah. And I put the work in as, you know, I, I ran, yeah. I ran over ultra distance many a Saturday, you know, building up to it, trained on the course a right. little bit. So it wasn't like I, you know, and I trained, trained really hard for it, but so, so going into your, this, this pretty, your first, you know, trail race, hundred miler, like how you just, you mentioned nutrition a couple of times where, you know, you. And I just want everybody to to listen to hear. I mean, his first one, inexperienced, and you ran at eighteen oh six. That's that that's fantastic. So you probably like, man, I'm I can kind of do pretty well at this. You play second place, a traveler. How did you did you suffer? I mean, did you make mistakes on nutrition, and 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 what did that look like? Yeah, you know, I I, I never sort of remember having like a a moment where I had to stomp or anything like that. I moved pretty well, but certainly I relied on, I think the first year exclusively on gels and Gatorade. Yeah. Yeah. And so there was a moment where I couldn't really get anything down sort of late in the race that we all sort of have experienced, but certainly I asked for it because I, you know, got the slushy stomach. I was nothing wrong with gels and Gatorade magic electrolyte right. I was telling my team that this morning but the but i needed something more than that and so that first year i kind of went into it approaching it more approaching it aggressively but kind of m- more gels i may have had a couple like salt tablets or something even though probably wasn't even necessary but yeah. gels and gatorade just kind of doing the 
doing the road racing thing. I actually ran the first year in road shoes oh, as well. Nice. <laughs> I ran in Brooks, Brooks Ravinas. I don't know if they still make those, but, but yeah, so I ran it in road shoes as well. And so, yeah, just figuring it out. I felt pretty good running for most of the race, but I'd say nutrition was the biggest sort of learning curve where I had the most, most opportunity there. And, and I did pay attention to that. And I think also running in dark, as strange as that sound, it's not, it's just different yeah. and it's new, particularly out in the woods. I grew up in the woods to a certain degree, playing out in the woods, running around in creeks and fort ice, but being out there at night and alone and I didn't have a pacer. Mm -hmm. So coming back that last 15 miles through Rocky Gap, which is a tough section anyway, yeah. with, with just my one very poor headlamp. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I didn't have a good, I didn't have a good headlamp either. That's yeah. <laughs> what was, was difficult. I remember my... Bron, how many coaches at Euler now just left Arkansas Tech, the guy who beat me. He has like a pacer who's like glowing in the forest, <laughs> yeah, like covered of, in like glow sticks. like an airport lights on him or something. He's like, <laughs> I'm like, no, I think he did end up dropping his pacer. So, yeah. but they're both like glowing in the forest. And I have like one, <laughs> you know, probably $25 headlamp that that I that I picked up from my parents' house or something. But yeah, I think the thing though you said that was key, as much as I want to sound like I wasn't ready, that's that's not true because I did put in the work. Yeah. I did not know what I was doing with respect to the gear mm -hmm. or the nutrition, but I knew how to put the miles in. Yeah. And I have always and will always approach the sport with a certain amount of seriousness. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think fun and sort of being serious about a competitive race are mutually exclusive. Mm. I think different people do it for different reasons. Yeah. And, and I was serious that first year about my training. I put in a lot of miles, yeah. a lot of them were on the road. I didn't know what I didn't know, Yeah. but I did, I did work hard leading up to that race and was already putting in some hundred mile plus weeks that first year. Nice. Building my volume up. Yeah. And there's a lot to be said, you know, I tell, I, I, I coach other ultra runners and, you know, they, during the first, you know, half of the training, they're, they're worried about like, should I get on, on, you know, similar trails or, or whatever. And I was like, well, you can for your long runs, we'll get there. But fitness is a huge, you know, getting in as fit as you can is, is huge. And that's kind of what, you know, we focus on in the first half or more of, of a, you know, a 20 week training block is just getting you fit, getting you efficient, getting you, you know, just working on all that. And then we'll work on, you know, specifics of the, the trail and everything else. So, I mean, that's kind of what you did. You just went in, it sounds like you were probably super fit and that covers the multitude of sins during a, during a race. Yeah. Certainly for about 60 or 70 miles. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I think you're exactly right. And, and I think, and I, I've said this before, I think somebody who is generally fit and healthy mm -hmm. and running consistently can, can go run and do quite well at an ultra distance race because that having that strong fitness base yeah. is so important. Even having like a faster background and having some turnover and doing some speed work. If you overall have like some consistent fitness in your background, whether it's cycling or running, yeah. And you're interested in it, give it a look because you'll probably do better than you think yeah. once you sort of sort of start picking up things here and there about the sort of specificity that's required for trail. I mean, what you probably have a number, but 
to get your trail legs under you, you need a couple of weeks, three, four weeks. It's good to try to get some, yeah. get some trail running oh, yeah. in if you're about to do a trail race. And I, I love it. Oh yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> it's beautiful yeah. and great for your soul. Yeah. But, but yeah, get your trail legs under you. You can do that. You can do that in a couple of three weeks. Yeah. And I usually encourage that, you know, try on your long runs on, on your Saturdays, get out, get out on the trails. If it's a trail, you know, trail race and try to, you know, get familiar with that. But during the week, focus more on, you know, and that's, that's, that's how I train. I mean, I'm, I'm running roads most, mostly during the week and even sometimes on weekends and on, but on the weekends, I try to go hit the trails. You got to get it in when you can get it in too. I mean, like life happens for a lot of people. I mean, if you look at the age of ultra runners, particularly like we're busy, right? Yeah. So you got to get in the mile. So whenever, whatever you can do, whenever you can do your runs, whenever you can do a little bit of mobility or core work, you got to get it in. Yeah. And, and the reality is well, some of that will have to probably be on a road. So I, I completely agree with you. Yeah. Just get fit first. Yeah. And then try to find a lot of people who love you, who will help free up some time for yeah. you and let you go run in the woods for a few hours. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That kind of ends up being my Saturday mornings. My wife kind of knows I'm just not going to be home for a while. You know, like so I get up early and I'll just be back around lunch or right. sometimes after, you know, it's like, yeah. So, <laughs> so, so you, you, you did well, but it, I love this because you, uh, you came in, you, you, 2013, you ran it. And then like four years after that, man, you were like back to back to back to back. You came back and like, I guess you, you started putting together those things that you that you were missing because you went from an 1806 to a to a 1559 on the course now i know some years weather and all that's different but that is that's huge man so what big changes did you make you know that that or that you attribute to that yeah and and i really didn't i didn't really trail run much between those two races i just really got locked in right and spent some time with my brother thinking about things talking about things Certainly at this point, meeting a few more trail runners, mm-hmm. thinking about nutrition, it wasn't crazy change on nutrition. I still used a lot of gels. I still was pounding the Gatorade like a crazy person at eight stations. <laughs> yeah. But but I added some peanut butter. <laughs> this is this sound I don't <laughs> this sounds so silly looking back. I added peanut butter and honey sandwiches. Nice. To my repertoire. <laughs> yeah, but like I think Pete Perkins, he wrote it was like powered by peanut butter and honey sandwiches, but I, I did, I added some, you know, some, some solid food stuff that I knew how to mix of like protein and sugar yeah. carbs yeah, and that I could get down and digest easy. And I think I, I did that power line at about halfway through the race, maybe, maybe again, there about two thirds through the race, probably two or three sandwiches. Yeah. I did bring most of my own stuff. I love the volunteers out there in the oh, aid yeah. stations. But I did like to use what I had practiced with specifically. And so once I got through the gel action, I kind of kind of did a little bit more solid food here and there. Maybe a couple cliff bars or something like that as well. But uh, mainly those sandwiches kind of were added in and it helped kind of create that base. Yeah. Keep me from getting that sloshy stomach, allow me to kind of keep pushing and keep getting the calories in. That's the thing, man. It's not so much with the the stomach issues. It's so hard sometimes because you know you still got it in your legs. Yeah. But if you can't get the calories down and you can't give your body what it needs, yeah. Here it's 
can't do there's nothing you can do yeah and so just creating that base and allowing me to continue to get the calories in that i needed also started experimenting with just moving away just some coke at the end of the mm -hmm. race yeah just at the aid stations kind of just transitioning trying some different things so that was about it yeah tactically i ran a similar race i, I had wanted to run 18 the year before i did set my sights on 16 the second year because i wanted to win yeah and brought my brother in i don't use pacers a lot to pace me the last 16 miles okay like well if they can light up the forest we're gonna light up <laughs> that's right <laughs> yeah so we <laughs> we kept pushing through rocky gap we knew it was tight but we fought very very hard for sub 16 i think it was right at it yeah i know coming down from crossroads the last two and a half miles we were popping off some pretty fast splits to try to get under 16 and i'll say this not to get us too far off subject but we were running with a lot of motivation somebody that was very important to us special to us our our grandfather had passed away Man. just a few days prior oh, to that race yeah. and we we both spoke at the funeral the next day and certainly we felt like he was kind of just carrying us and pushing us. That's and cool. He was an old timey coach, hard nosed athlete himself. And we just kind of heard him pushing us. And it was cool. Yeah. It was a cool experience to do that with my brother and then go send him off to a better place the next day. Oh. So that that was a that was a very emotional weekend. No kidding. To man. say the least. Yeah. But but it was good to have Luke. Luke is my brother's name there with me. Yeah. We executed well and we had, we had, we had strong emotions, but I think we let them kind of create a lot of positive energy. Yeah. Kind of push us, push us hard there at the end. You think part of it too, you know, when you first do that distance, a hundred mile, you, you start to discover that, you know, when, when you, you hit that pain cave, when, when you start to hurt that there's more beyond, do you think? You know, even that's a lesson that you pulled into that one. Like, you know, I, I'm going to hurt, but I can still keep pushing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you, what's the one thing I like to say is you can have, I think it was in a, a book recently, how he described it, Do Hard Thing, mm. the book about having a quiet conversation with yourself. Mm. And I think I was already doing that before I read that term, yeah. but I, I, it completely resonated with me. That's what you always have to try to do. Yeah. It hurts really bad, but can you maintain perspective mm. about the things in life mm. that are more important about what you've put into this and what everybody else has put into this to allow you to be here? Yeah. So can you, can you have that conversation with yourself about why? There's more inside of you that will allow you to keep pushing. Mm. Can you have that conversation with the pain you're feeling about the fact that it's temporary and you get to decide how you react to it, mm. you get to decide whether it's going to slow you down or not. Yeah. But if you can maintain that composure and have that conversation with yourself, hopefully nobody thinks I sound like a lunatic, but I, I think it's really important. And to your point, you're having that conversation if you remind yourself of why you do it mm. what's your purpose is it other people is it to model 
the right way to compete and run? Is it just because you love it and you want to express joy on the trails, which is a dang good reason yeah. in and of itself? Yeah. Why are you doing this? And and usually if you can have that conversation and not get too low in the negative cycle, you can get more out of yourself than you think. I come back to that because I truly believe it. Yeah. I think most people stop at the first sign of, of, of pain and, and, and it's in us, you know, I mean, every, all of us, probably when we're first starting to, to, to run, you know, we, you, oh, I need to back off. But we realize that un, I have a, I have this banner up here. You can't see it says comfort is a lie. And I, I remind myself of that, you know, cause you've got to push beyond that discomfort and, and there's, there's so much more beyond that. Yeah. And you, and you said something good there. I mean, it's, you, this whole mentality of like blocking out the pain or pushing it away, I, I don't agree with. Mm. I, th- I think it's embracing it. Yeah. And I think we hear more and more about that. And yeah, it's, it's, it can be scary, but like it's embracing that yeah. sort of feelings. It's the same with like any emotions you're feeling on the trail. Cause I'm sure you've cried out there oh, just yeah. like I have. Yeah. And I said, I have cried on the trail. Yes. So many times I've lost count and in races yeah. and, but it's, it, the emotions coming out, that's good. Absorb them, mm-hmm. accept them. Yeah. They shouldn't make your decisions for right. you. I love it. But absorb them. And like, how can I use this in a positive way? That's the key there is like, I, I don't think you try to block it out. I think you're asking for trouble if you do that. Yeah. Cause then it's going to sneak up on you and bite you in the, you know what, but. If you can sort of absorb it and accept it and then do something positive with it, mm. that's a, that's a, that is so huge. Yeah. It's so, so huge because the emotions are going to come out yeah. and you, you gotta, you gotta decide what you're going to do. with. It's something about, you know, the long distance where you're, you're, you're rubbed raw and laid bare at some point there. And you have to have a, you, that's where you face yourself and your, your, your demons and, and it's kind of interesting the way people respond. And you said something here, and I just have an observation that's pretty, pretty interesting. So when I was at the Moab 240, and you talked to earlier about if you can't keep food down, you can't, you know, and that's, I ended up having to bail because I was throwing up and I couldn't keep calories down. But I watched as the, the leader, the winner who came in and he was all smiles, super positive, kind of like Courtney DeWalter, you know, she runs on positive energy. Yep. And and, you know, and then second place was David Goggins and his fuel is different. His mindset's different. He just comes in and he's like, eh, you know, I'm done. It's like, you know, and he's, he embraces like, I don't know, almost, I don't know, negative, whatever, neg- I don't want to even say negativity, but he uses that competitive nature to, to move him forward. But each of them kind of find what it is they need to do, you know, and maybe their why is just different, you know? And, and it looks different in how they finish, but it, they both use it to get to the finish line and finish the races. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Whatever they're feeling, they're sort of absorbing that and they're using it a way that allows them to get the best out of themselves. I, I suspect, I don't, I don't know this to be the case for either of them, but like they're also, he probably does that because he, he doesn't want the emotions to sort of drive his decision-making. Mm. And some people can be more expressive, but still may, maybe they may, some of this may be because they have a really good crew or whatever yeah, the case yeah. may be, but they can be more expressive, but still make sure they're making those good tactical and strategic decisions. Yeah. 
So some of that is just personalities coming that out. And some of that is like people just kind of knowing themselves. Yeah. Like if I'm going to, if I'm going to make good decisions and execute my race, I'm going to have to do it like this. But as long as you're sort of absorbing it and and channeling it in the right direction, I think that's what matters most. Yeah, yeah. So you 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 mentioned a while ago about coaching, and and I know you're you're, you're you coach, and are you are you you're, you're, you teach also, right? I do, and and yeah, and I don't I don't coach ultra runners. Okay. I I I will always help out any way I can yeah. if people ask me questions, but I, I coach, I coach high school yeah. and middle school cross country and also high school track nice. at Joe T. Robinson high school, go senators. And uh, we had our first cross country workout this morning. Nice. So yeah, I've been doing that going into my fourth year okay. of teaching and coaching. I teach Arkansas and us history. Oh. I coach cross country and track and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm loving it. Um, about as happy as I've ever been, man. Mm. And uh, a really good place here, kind of out in West Pulaski County, doing my thing. That's fantastic. I, what a cool opportunity that those kids have, and you know, because all this that we've been talking about, you you have lived it, you are living it, you know what it's like. I, you know, the school I work in education too. I'm an IT director, and I kind of our cross country team. I, I always usually usually at the beginning of the season they get me to go kind of talk to them, and I try to try to go as many of their, their meets that I can. And like, I see the look on their faces and, and I tell them, you know, like, I know that look, that, that, that pain cave that you're in, you know, and you've got to, you just got to embrace that, you know, and exactly what we've just been talking about. And you can give them that perspective, you know, and you're not just talking something you read. You're like, you live that stuff, man. Yeah. Man, it, it is it is cool, and that's a what a great resource that they have you to come speak to them. I think they do like it. I like to model it. Mm. I do a lot of running with them, and they, even though they don't completely understand the ultra stuff, <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> they like they like following it. Yeah. It's like interesting to them, and and I always say anything counts, right? Yeah. Any any kind of mileage, self propelled motion yes. counts, and like we can talk about that, and we can model that. And then they can follow us a lot of, there's good trackers now at races yeah. and they can, they can see us self suffering and being vulnerable too, like, right. Yeah. And then overcoming that, yeah. which is the best, maybe the best lesson we can share with them. So yeah, it's been really cool. Even, even had a couple of runners come out and try some trail running. Nice. A young lady named Emma was at full moon, did the 25 K last, last weekend. She's, She's awesome. And it, that's, that's really that's neat cool. and rewarding to have something like that. And I'm very grateful yeah. for the opportunity after doing a dozen years in the utility industry. It sort of doesn't feel like work every day. <laughs> <laughs> so what did, what did you do before that? I was in-house counsel for utilities. I, okay. I worked in the more like regulatory law, like I, I made sure all the utilities were following the rules. Gotcha. Did that for a decade here in Arkansas and for a couple of years in Colorado. So yeah, I was a I was a regulatory lawyer in house for about a dozen years. All right, what was, what what facilitated the change? Just just needed a yeah. It was it was more about wanting to get back to Arkansas than anything else. And I, I think as part of that transition. I knew that I needed something different mm. to sort of have a more balanced yeah. life. 
I had become a little bit of a workaholic mm. out in Colorado and I needed something different for my family, something better yeah. for my family that freed up some time and some of the sort of energy and passion that I had in me. So it, it, it's interesting though, going back to even law school, I had taken the education exams, the, what they call the praxis exams. Yeah. I would considered going directly into education yeah. right out of grad school. My, my grandfather, who I mentioned earlier, was my hero, and he was a lifelong educator, mm. as was my mother as well, who's retired now, taught about 40 years. Wow. So it was always something that was there, yeah. and I, I kind of knew I'd get back to it. It was just a matter of when, and when I was making the transition back from Arkansas, it made a lot of sense. Mm. Something first of all, that I needed. Yeah. And, and it also was just a, a really good opportunity out here in a place I love. West Little Rock around Pinnacle Mountain with some good access to the Washita Trail. Oh, man. And uh, I just kind of all worked out about as well as, as I could have sort of expected. Certainly sort of exceeded my expectations in a way. Yeah. But I find myself here and I'm very grateful. Well, I, I want to get back to racing in a minute and some of these these races that that you've done and we both done. But but you you said something about about balance and I, it's it's almost kind of comical that that we we we're doing this thing that seems so far out of out of balance, like just out there, you know, running these these crazy long distances. But at the same time, we have lives, we have families, we have jobs, and and I, is it do you do like I do to fight to maintain that that balance, you know, to be a good dad, to be, you know, a good teacher and all that. And, and, and how do you cope with that? Yeah, absolutely. And in this particular time of my life, when I sort of moved out to Colorado with the expectation that it was going to be this like euphoric experience in the mountains, yeah. you know, we tend to have obsessive personalities. Some of us do. I don't want to stereotype the yeah. entire ultra running community, but yeah. I'm with Many you. of us do, yeah. and I certainly do. I'll speak for myself. Same, yeah. and, and that carried over into the workplace, and I kind of got out of balance. Mm. Some of the hours I was putting in, actually, it wasn't running per se. I actually wasn't doing as much running for the two years I was out there. Yeah. Still doing some hikes, trying to get the kids out in the mountains when I could. But I kind of got out of balance with sort of the work-life balance mm. as I transition back to Arkansas, I made it a priority to try to kind of find that again, Yeah, both the work-life balance, but also balancing my running in a sort of healthier, more sustainable way. Yeah, You don't have to run hundred plus mile weeks right. to be competitive. And you certainly don't to be happy. And, That's right. Yeah. And, and so it was work-life balance. I need but also sort of learning to run and train in a sustainable way mm. that fed into that work-life balance, if that makes sense. Yeah. And also the timing worked well because I'm not getting any younger. So being able to think about <laughs> training in a, a more sustainable way, it all worked nicely at kind of that point in my life, coming back to Arkansas and, and transitioning to a, sort of a new, a new career. Yeah. Just, what is your, you just said something cause, and, and it's, you know, I'm, I'm older also. I'll be 49 in September. 
But uh, and you know, I'm, you look good. Well, man. thank you. I appreciate it. I'm trying. <laughs> but you know, uh, you know, I'm slowing down a little bit, and I've had to make adjustments. But what is your what does your training look like? I mean, you're what you're, I think you're forty. Yeah. Was you're that forty? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Forty. Yep. It's so I think it's about finding the number. This is more and more of the runners will back this up. I think, I think it's about finding the number that works for you and that's yeah. sustainable and what kind of that looks like. And for me, that number where I can kind of stay healthy, feel good has trended around 70 to 90 miles. Okay. Like when I start kicking in up into the train, yeah. if I'm not training for any specific race, which is usually only a couple of months a year, yeah. in those I may drop down to 50, 60 miles. Mm -hmm. But during this sort of build up over the summer toward full moon, but ultimately toward Leadville, which is in three weeks, and then the traveler in October, which I'm going to return to after All right. a five year hiatus. All right. That's that's looked more like seventy to ninety in a high week, but I don't go much above that, man. Yeah. And and a lot of a lot of easy running and and that's I have to feel like I have to, it was one of my big teaching points with my own runners too. Like easy means easy, right? Yeah. And so I still, I still run, do a fast tempo run every Tuesday okay. generally, and certainly try to do something longer, usually in the three and a half to four and a half hour range mm -hmm. on the weekends. But if you yeah. add that up, four and a half hour long run, a tempo run on Tuesdays, I think I run four other days and take Mondays off. So six days of running, yeah. 70 to 90 miles. That's kind of my standard training block now. Yeah. I was a little more focused on speed early in the summer. Um, thought that would be good for the turnover. Yep. Yep. Particularly in the summer when it's so hot, yeah. you can do some shorter, faster stuff. Yeah. So threw in some sprints here and there as part of some of my easy runs. But generally speaking, four days of easy running, a long run and a, and a tempo yeah. on Tuesdays or some type of speed session. Right. Yeah. Just, I think that's good for the running economy yep. and, and, and reminds you that you can still move a little <laughs> yeah, bit yeah. if forced. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. <laughs> no, that's, that's fantastic. And, and, and that's the thing you've got to find, you know, what works for you and at what point your body starts breaking down and, you know, think you get yeah. injuries and things like that. You just gotta, gotta play with it. And it's, and that's the thing, like you got to pay attention. You got to be self-aware. I've also been trying to do more stretching and mo mobility work, which is all new to yeah. me. Like what else, what other tools can I add to the arsenal? Yeah. yeah. Like I don't do a ton still. Yeah. And I've never really been, been into strength training too much. I do, I do core and push ups and things like that. A lot of like body weight stuff, but adding in some of the mobility and stretching, I think is, has been helpful. Yeah. Even minimal amounts yeah. goes a long way, I think. Mm -hmm. Just kind of, kind of doing that in front of the TV at night, continuing with the core every other day, but uh, I keep it pretty simple. I, I think it works for me. Yeah. I don't, I don't want to overthink it, but I, but also, you know, I do what I need to do to get ready. And when I do creep up toward 90, a hundred miles, you feel it, right? Yeah. You don't want to walk around feeling fatigued. And if you start feeling like that, yeah. you may need to check check yourself there do you do like a, a deload week a recovery week when you get your miles like that after every three four weeks i sure do okay. yeah yeah i, I, I believe yeah. in the periodization yep. and i don't get 
too deep into the science, but I do think you have to take that week off, yep. let your body sort of recover and adapt yep. and any kind of micro tears in your muscles or whatever you call them. Yeah. You got to let that heal and you got to be kind to yourself. Yeah. I also think that's why it's good. I, I agree with what most of the real experts like you and others say that I think you got to take some time off a couple times a year, mm -hmm. maybe even a month. Yeah. I don't think you have to go crazy with it. Yeah. And I think you can still run and, and, and stay relatively fit without losing a lot. Mm -hmm. Just give yourself a break yeah. and just kind of, kind of recharge, reboot. And a lot, but mentally too, because you want, we want to continue to enjoy this. And I've got, I got to the point before when, when training where I was like, this is, and, and let's face it, sometimes you got to make yourself get out there, you know, when it's as hot as it is now, man, it's like yeah. 80s out there. But, you know, but when you're just constantly not enjoying the run and you, you just need that mental break where you don't have to, you just get, your, get to where you want to again, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And that's why it's good to build that in. And, you know, if you get to that point, sometimes you just got to tell yourself, I'm going to run any distance and any speed I want yeah. for a few days. Yeah. And I'm yeah. going to, maybe you're going to go, maybe go to some new places and different places. Like That's good. Do something to break it up. Yeah. Like yeah. let's, let's break up whatever's going on in this yeah. crazy yeah. brain and life. And like, yeah, try a new route. Easy. Some people say do it without a watch. I don't know. That doesn't matter as much to me as long as you're not staring at exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah. But do, go for a run, do whatever distance, whatever pace you want. Maybe try something different to break it up. Yeah. I think that can, that can be a little little tool in your tool belt as well yeah well i'm i'm pumped to hear that you're going to leadville i didn't i did not realize that you were going to be doing leadville this year real quick because we got to go talk about western states <laughs> so but yeah. but but oh, yeah. what, are, what are you doing to, to deal with altitude man are you are you relying on heat training are you sleeping in an altitude tent what you doing yeah great mm. question <laughs> not <laughs> not enough no, yeah. So, and probably not enough vert either. Although I do look for hills when I can. Yeah, yeah. But make heat training. I know it's not perfect. Yeah. But I do know enough, mm -hmm. and I, I do consult with my own coach now. It was a big, big step for me. But I do know enough to know that there are some similar adaptations from heat training yep. that can apply in altitude. Yep. Leadville's the first week students return. Oh, man. So I don't have the luxury of going out for two weeks. I'll be flying out on Thursday night. Yeah. And I'm even going to sleep in Denver that night. Yeah. So we're going to drive up the day before and try to get in and out. Yeah. And I'm hoping some of this heat training I'm doing, and I, I embrace it. Yeah. I'll go out in the afternoon and, and embrace the heat. I hope that helps some. Mm. I know it's not perfect. Yeah. I'm not suggesting that works like that but i do know there are some adaptations with absolutely blood blood volume yeah. that apply yeah. again without being able to explain all the science so that's what i'm yeah i'm hope hopeful for and then just being fit yeah. feeling good yeah. uh, what's this line my brother said i'd rather be over i'd rather be over recovered yeah and up your train right yeah. but like Thinking about that, like I put some pretty good work in yeah. this summer. Yeah. Making sure I feel really good on that starting mm -hmm. line and trusting sort of, dare I say, my old man strength. Yeah. Yeah. Get me through it. And and this is a little bit of a 
a second shot for me. I don't have any, I don't have any like goals to, or thoughts about winning at Lead Bull. I do want to compete and do better than I did back in 2015. Yeah. When I had never been to Colorado to run a race and I, I squeaked in just under 25 hours to get the big belt buckle yeah. and I fought word for it. But I, I felt then in 2015, after my second, actually it would be after my second traveler, when that I had 18 hours in me at Leadville. And I still think that's out. Yeah. I think 18 to 20 hours is, is, I don't mind even saying that or thinking about that because I think if it doesn't happen, you certainly should have big goals and you should fight for everything you get. Yeah. And I think it's a run, more runnable course mm -hmm. than some people think. Yeah. And runnable courses tend to be better for me. And I, I think if I'm really fit on the starting line, if I'm smart about my nutrition and I can actually be conservative, which I always say, and then I don't do. Yeah. I think, I think I have a shot at having a pretty good day out there and, and being more in that 18 to 20 hour range. At least that's, that's what me and my brother are going to try to pull off. He's going to go out there and crew me. Nice. Nice, man. I'll, I'll be cheering you on, man. I it's, and I have to do anytime I race in Colorado, I've done, you know, some hundreds out there and some 50 milers and I just got to show up and just try to be oh, fit man. and do what you can, man. I know people talk about going out for two weeks and I say, it must be nice. <laughs> exactly. I was, I was, I was running silver heels and I'm running with this guy from France at the beginning. And he's like, he's like, Oh, he, I, I forgot what, how it came up. And he says, when did you get here? And I was like, yesterday. He said, oh, I've been here two weeks. And I was like, I, I can't, you know, I just can't do it. Yeah. I just want to have a few hours after the race to be able to go get some pizza and maybe like a cold beer before I have to go home. Yeah. That's, that's more important than the front end is like, I do, I never want to have to rush to an airport. And yeah. unfortunately I will have to go home Sunday, but it's not, it's a late flight. Sunday, yeah, so you'll so be all right. <laughs> maybe we can go to that, that famous pizza pizza place in Leadville and at least get a few hours of relaxation. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's cool, man. That, that, that'll be good. And, and then, uh, and then put it, get, getting back to traveler. I didn't realize you were, you were jumping in again, man. That's, that's pretty awesome. That'll be fun to, to get back to it. For sure. Yeah. I had actually kind of planned it, man. I, I, I ran it five years Yeah, and uh, I knew I wanted to take a little break and, and try some different things. I've really never nailed out of state races. I've run pretty well regionally and I wanted to try, try some things. Yeah. I still haven't really nailed a lot of races outside of the region. Even Rocky Raccoon, which I ran well a couple yeah. of years yeah. ago and finished, finished sixth, but that's, that's a regional race. You yeah. know, I drove down and that's so a competitive race. Still, I, I still think there's like a lot, a lot of room for growth, even though if I, if I can run smart and, and train in a sustainable way at some of these out-of-state races when I do them, which is pretty rare. Yeah. But when I do, I think if I'm if I'm smarter and I and I kind of rely on experience and continue to learn every race, I still think there's some opportunities there. Yeah. But I am going to have to kind of be smarter about these out-of-state races, and I'm going to have to be a little bit more conservative because you know how it is with sleep mm -hmm. or altitude, yeah. or being in a new environment. Yeah. You can't treat that the same way you treat a race in your own backyard. Yeah. But, but cycling back, I'd always planned to kind of take, take a few years off and run it again when I was 40. Yeah. And uh, that's what we're going to do this October. Nice. Yeah. 
if there, unless unless something really bad happens. Let <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh man, that that, that that's going to be fun. What's funny is you were talking about competition. So the year that I talked about earlier, 2017, when I ran it, when I came out, you know, you pop out onto the road, and that last little bit, there was a lady standing there, and she said, "You're looking good. I think you can catch the guy who's ahead of you." And he was looking rough. And so I should have turned my headlamp off, but I didn't. So I just started running and it was Daniel Arnold and his pacer. I didn't have any pacers. And so I saw his pacers head whip around and then I saw them both start bouncing, you know? And so I made him sprint to the finish and afterwards he was on the ground and I, I came in like 30 seconds after him. Once I hit that hill, I was like, oh, there's no sprint left. But, but the next year, oh, the next year without you there, and he, he came back and just crushed. Like I was way behind him on the next, you know, in 2018. Yeah, Dan, that's a, that's a good story. And he's a good one. He just had a pretty good battle with Cliff last yeah. week. Well, known too. They, they were within a minute of each other. Most of that race. That's awesome. But, but he's a, he's a great, he's a friend and a very consistent yes. steady runner. I love his mind. Mm -hmm. I love how he doesn't try to run outside of himself. I think it's he it's a good message. Yeah. He's he's pretty quiet and may not tell you, but I'll tell you he 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 knows how to run within himself and run his own race. Yeah. And uh, I think all of us can learn lessons from runners like that yeah. that are that self-aware and they can run in that controlled way. They can still push when they need to. They don't let anybody else dictate their race. Yeah, I've seen him suffering in in a bad place and then just come back. And and, yep. and do well, you know. I was like, "Oh, Daniel, man, he's he's in bad shape," and then he'll pass me up. <laughs> he's he's good. he's doing good. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Those battles, those battles are fun, though. Oh they, man, man, that was I, yeah, yeah. I did, that cracks me up, man, because it was just it was just so fun, and I should have should have turned the headlamp off, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that's that's back to my first traveler when me and Brock were playing headlamp games <laughs> on the street. I think we, I think we ended up being a little over a minute apart. I think it was the oh, closest. Oh, really? Traveler. That's crazy, man. Closest traveler in the thirty-one year history, or whatnot. And it was, it was fun though, man. We passed each other a couple times, headlamp games, and you don't get a lot of those either. But when you get them, they're they're fun. That's fun, and and, and a lot of a lot of people. It's it's all in. I mean, I love racing with my friends. You know, like and if they beat me. Man, fantastic. If you know, I gave it my all and you beat me and 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 it's vice versa. I think healthy competition, man, it's good. Yeah. I think there's a picture after that race. I didn't know him real well. It looks like I'm trying to eat him. I like have my hand on his shoulder. <laughs> I'm like in his face. But yeah, like my biggest thing is like you said, it's healthy competition. If just make them hurt if they're gonna beat yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. Or it. you know, that's earn that's it. it. Earn it. Like Make them earn it. And if they do go shake their hand yeah. and like, I love it. Yeah, same. Like, let's do it. And if, if, if you're going to beat me, you, let's, let's hurt together a little bit, but I'm, I'm going to make it hurt a little bit. And that's what it's all about. Just, if you want to not use the word hurt, make them work for it. Make yeah. them get everything out of themselves because yes. that's what we should try to be doing at the end of the day is, is getting everything out of ourselves that we can and having a good experience. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so tell me about, about your Western States experience, man. I, I have to say, and I put it out here all the time and they say, I shouldn't say it because people get mad. I got in with two tickets in 2019 <laughs> and, and that's the reason I ran Traveler in 2018. It was a, a month after I ran the Tahoe 200, I ran Traveler and it, it was not my, I suffered because of it, but I got my ticket and that got me in. So, but anyway, tell me, tell me about it, man. How, how did it unfold for you? Yeah. So 
it was it was good, man. I mean, so I drove I, I drove cross country okay. so long, and then I had my my boys. I got two sons and two daughters. They flew out with my dad to support me, and then my brother was already out on a family road trip, so their family joined us as well. So a lot of fun. We all sort of kind of met there together in Olympic Valley. Yeah. I think is what we're calling it yeah, now yeah. and uh, for the start of the race and it was great it went off the race itself we got there a couple of days before the race went off really well felt good probably pushed too hard up the hill early knew it was going to be a hot day yeah. <laughs> i can't i was you know i say i'm going to be conservative at these out yes, races. Yeah. <laughs> and like i'm running like you know, Camille or something like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, it doesn't matter. Like she's better than yeah. you. Oh, yeah, that's, that's so, awesome. Anyway, but we're, everything was going pretty well. Like having a pretty good day, I'd say roughly through like the halfway point. Certainly the heat started sitting in on me. Good with the heat, but really it was nutrition. Mm, yeah. Uh, like I said, you earn, you learn every race. Yeah. And I started having some sloshy stomach. Yeah. I was using like a mix of like for my solid food, I was doing some like peanut butter and some like bars, like yeah. cliff bars or like Martin bars and and just trying to kind of supplement. But I think where I made the biggest tactical error, and I'll I'll get through the race, but I just kind of want to say this. Not resetting when I needed to reset. Mm. Like sometimes you have to be flexible enough with your plan. Yeah to push pause, maybe even empty the tank. I'm not necessarily suggesting what that always has to look <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. but at least taking in what you need and taking in a little bit more time. Yeah. And I just didn't reset early enough, David. Yeah. I, I eventually did because Sam Ferguson said, okay, time to start over. <laughs> <laughs> and I, but I didn't see him until mile 62. Yeah. I was out there by myself through that through Michigan Bluff. I probably should have reset coming out of the one of the canyons there at Michigan Bluff, which is about mile 55. Yeah. And I did, I kept pushing because I wanted to see those people I loved so much. Yeah. My family, my children, my good friends. And when I got there, I was already a little behind, too far behind. And we had trouble pushing. Mm. I mean, I was still running pretty solid time there at Forest Hill. Yeah. But I, I I didn't have much left because I couldn't get anything down. Yeah. And that's where you want to start pushing. And that's what I mentioned earlier. It's like it's so frustrating yeah. because you're just depleted and you don't have the energy you need, even though you know your legs are okay. That's rough, man. I hate that and, feeling. Uh, <laughs> so we're like even walking some of the like gradual downhills. We're running when we can. And before we got to the river, probably mile 75 at one of those little aid stations, Heading down toward the river, the river 78. Something like that. Yeah. He said, we're going to start over. Yeah. And we, we paused, listened to his sage advice, and we emptied the tank. We spent a little time, we kind of hiked down to the river, just kind of enjoying. Yeah. Point. Yeah. Like, yeah. Let's take this in. Let's cross the river. Let's be grateful. That's good. And then we, and then down at the river, ate a lot of soup, mm. tried to kind of reset. Yeah got to see my crew run last time and we did we made a decision there like hey your a goal maybe out of out of the picture yeah. but if we can run 
most of this last 20 miles, we can still come in under 24 hours. Yeah. And we didn't come out here to not give it everything we had. Yeah. So we reset. We probably took close to 20, 30 minutes. Wow. Which may be like record for me. Yeah. 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 That's, that's a lot of time when you're racing, man. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Actually, I wanted to go earlier, but they were like, no, not yet. They like knew the splits for 24 yeah, hours. Yeah. They were like, no, yeah. you're going to be able to run if you reset. Like my brother mm. and my nephew, Henry, like they knew me. Yeah. And so we, we did that and I was able to run. Stan and I were able to run most of the last 20 miles pretty, pretty steady yeah. and well, had a really, really nice finish there. That's good. Under 24, not the time I wanted, but again, those ones you work so hard for are sometimes the most rewarding. Yeah. And God willing, I uh, will get another shot at it. <laughs> I like <Monday>. it. <laughs> I like it. well, and and devil's thumb, dude. That, that that oh, and I just remember the cave. It's so hot, and then climbing out of that thing, I was looking at my time, and I was like, "That's the slowest I think I've ever had in a race, man." <laughs> I know, man. Yeah, and that's the thing. It's like being flexible mm -hmm. enough with your plan, and having not seen the course yeah, too. Yeah. For me too, the same deal's same. like really fully appreciate how hard that climb is if you're coming up out of devil's thumb you may need to spend a little bit more time in the aid station mm -hmm. i was doing pretty good with the ice treatments and things like that yeah. and don't think frankly i was taking in enough calories yeah. you cannot get behind mm -hmm. and and then it just got a little sloshy and had to do the best we can and and i i stand by that now i i did it at love it this february as well and I will, I've seen the greats do it. I've, I've, I, now that you can actually see these races, you can see Courtney do it or see Killian do yeah. it. They will take 10, 15 minutes if they need yeah. it. They don't do it every aid station. Sometimes they're a machine. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they skip an aid station. But I've seen them sit down and eat a bowl of food yeah. and reset and take the time they need. And maybe it's only once a race. Maybe it's twice a race. Yeah. But when you need that, you need to do it and you need to get right because if you trained right, that will allow you to keep running. Yeah. That's, that, that's, that's good advice, man. Everybody, everybody listening. That it's, I tell my runners, I say, aid stations can make you or break you. I, you know, do what you need to do. You absolutely do what you need to do. Don't take any longer than you need, but if you need, you need to stay and, and reset. Same thing, you know, some races like Tahoe was falling. I was falling asleep while I was running. I didn't want to. And finally, I just like, I need to take a nap, you know, a couple of days in and, and I took a nap and then I was so efficient after that, I, you know, I made up the time. Yeah. If I'd have done that sooner, I'd been proactive about, you know, a little trail nap or something here and there. And, you know, that's just one thing. But like you said, just taking that, whatever you got to do to fix the issue, it's worth fixing. You, you got to be super honest with yourself, right? Because you. You do not need to take more time than you need when you yes. don't need it. It's what you need. Like, I am a big proponent of anybody who's, who's been at a race with me. I am pretty quick through aid stations. Yeah, yeah. And I've known to skip a few. Yeah. But as you sort of learn and grow, particularly on the nutrition piece, or if it's a really hot day or whatever the case may be, when you need it, take yeah. it. You don't. You may not know exactly when that is, but you probably should plan for that to be somewhere between the halfway and three fourths point. Yeah. Particularly, if we're talking hundred milers or hundred k's. Yeah. 
you may have to reset and that's okay Yeah, because you've been efficient everywhere else. You can be efficient. Hopefully once you reset, trust your legs, trust your training, trust your crew or coach. Yeah. Yeah. If you got, got one you believe in. And, and I, I think that's, that's one of the newest things I'm trying to sort of, sort of incorporate into my own racing. If I need that, I'm going to take it. Mm. Like I said, I did it, love it, and I'll do it again at Leadville if if and when I, I likely need it. Yeah. Well, con- congratulations at Love It. I, I I was surprised when I looked through that that's the first time you run Love It, right? Yeah, it is, man, and it's beautiful. And I know you've had some great success out there, and it's yeah, it's isn't it beautiful? I love it's, that, like, it's, that's a great race, a great course. Yeah, it's. It's such a cool vibe yes. and I really enjoy it. And I, I do plan to go back. I don't know if I will next year, hopefully still sort of have my eye on the course record. Yeah. And, but I, I, I love it. Setting that aside, just being out there, great folks. It's just sneaky, beautiful. Yes. The night start. Yeah. I was going to bring that up. <laughs> for me, like I've already said that I don't love <laughs> running at dark and I can, I can tell you a funny story about that, but I, but other than like the night start, just kind of getting your mind around that, remembering that, hey, it's a nice start. But when that sun comes up, yeah, like there's hope, there's a new day, right? Yeah. And like my new mantra, sun comes up, it's time to run strong, run happy. Yeah. And it, it makes you want to. Yeah. Like you get that sunrise. And so we had some rain this year, so we didn't get kind of the perfect right. sunrise. But still, you know, the day breaks, mm. it's time to go. Yeah. That it's so hard that night start. Able to get some yeah. sleep in during the day Friday to go. Not yeah, really. <laughs> no, not really. Yeah. I I tried to just kind of sleep in, yeah. and then just kind of one thing I'll do, like whether it's full moon or love it, then just kind of hold off on the coffee and just kind of treat the night like a morning, maybe. Yeah, yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Just kind of like start start your day a little later. Yeah, treat kind of have kind of a, a bigger meal as you, you know, a few hours before the race, but yeah, I just kind of, can't, I can't really yeah. sleep in the day like that. Oh, I got to cycle that. So the, the light story I dislike, or at least initially running in the dark so much just to push myself from power line. I would never, I still for four travelers in a row, I wouldn't get a headline. Really? Because I wanted to make it. <laughs> you wanted to make it before. I wanted to make it back to Winona before pitch black. Yeah. And I would incentivize myself to do this. By the way, nobody did. That could be dangerous. I wanted to say that. You know thyself. <laughs> but not, and, and it bit me one year. It may have been 17 when I, when I, I had to run a couple of miles in the dark. Just to kind of, but you do whatever you can to motivate yourself. Yeah, yeah. and. I would do that to push myself into Winona <laughs> and try to get there before dark. But that, that's the, anyway, the things we the things yeah. we try. So so for oh I know it's like whatever you can do to yeah to keep it going keep it rolling. So for for love it I think it was on on Bear Mountain and and they okay so for everybody listening the tagline is it's the love it ankles of ankles of steel and an iron will. In fact, I'm wearing my shirt, dude. I'm just realizing this. Yeah. <laughs> I'm wearing my love it shirt. And I, I actually turned my ankle, I guess, pretty bad, I guess about a month before, but I was able to, you know, I, I didn't have any issues on the course, but I was falling asleep on the trail 
because of the, you know, the night and everything, I was like, what, what is happening? Cause I'm normally a hundred mile hour. I'm pretty good. And so I found if I just really sprint really fast, you might've heard that on the, on the, on the love it thing. I just was yeah. sprinting as fast as I could with these rocks and everything else. I was like, I'm going to die, <laughs> but it woke me up and you know, just adrenaline. No, man. Yeah. I'll, I'll plug your podcast too. Cause I told you off air that I listened to that going into love it. A lot of great information. I think you spent some time with a couple of people yeah. and I used a lot of that well, information in long, long sessions, but you're right. First of all, isn't it a surreal experience? I've told people this to fall asleep running. <laughs> yes, it is. It's, like people, people and, don't understand don't, that. By the way, like, yeah, like everybody out there, we don't mean we fall down. Yeah, yeah. We mean like we somehow go into like a subconscious mode of running. The first time I remember doing that was Mass and Nut huh. and out of Virginia. But yeah, you can fall asleep, but still be sort of self moving yourself, self propelled so motion. Weird. It is surreal, man. It's probably dangerous, yeah, but, but it's, I, I know exactly what you're talking about, but it, I didn't fall asleep at love it, but I did try to push there back over bear mountain. Yeah. Actually, probably the only strategic tactical mistake I made all day because I shed my raincoat, I guess it's like 72 ish coming back before you're about to go back yeah, over, yeah. give or something take like 75 yeah. and I shed my raincoat thinking the rain had passed. It's never passed. <laughs> of course not. not. I'm doing the same thing just to kind of give myself a boost. Yeah. I'm going to sprint a little bit. I'm going to push a little bit because sometimes that can work. Just, you know, try a different, stride it out, kind of reset there your mind. But I took off the raincoat and I, I got, I got pretty bad chills coming back oh, in. Oh man. And I did have to reset when I made it back over to Crystal Springs. Yeah. I took probably 10, 15 minutes just to save my race and just keep it together. Really? I knew the course record was probably out of the picture, yeah. but we did what we needed to do yeah. to be safe and to allow me to kind of have an enjoyable, good experience yeah. at the end of the race. The dealing with those chills, of, you yeah. know, it's sometimes the best laid plans, right? Yeah. yeah. Took off my rain jacket and then it rained. Uh, it's I, I think rain is a is a it's a theme out there i love it it's so beautiful and it's so nice but cliff and i he he paced me for 30 miles at the end there and and we just like it just kept raining and raining and I'm he's like, like i was in the pain cave suffering i know you must have been i was like yeah it's not fun yeah <laughs> maybe maybe the lesson there is it doesn't weigh that much yeah exactly yeah, darn rain jacket with exactly you. exactly <laughs> stuff it somewhere you know yeah. oh man well, well, Wesley, man, I am, I'm excited to, to, to see, you know, watch for Leadville and for you to be back at Traveler. Any, any other big, you know, I don't know if you, you had to pick a race and what's, what's, some, what's on your bucket list for the future, man? Well, you know, I, I, I'd love to get another bike at Western. Yeah. I, I, I think I can run fast there. I think you can too. I just, I got it. I have to have everything come together just like anybody does. Yeah. You can control certain things and there's a lot of things outside of your control, but I'd, I'd like to get another bite of it, yeah. but bite at it. I, it left, it left a, a taste in my mouth. I like it. Mostly good, <laughs> but there was, a, there was a little bit of some kind of weird aftertaste. Yeah, yeah. Where I, where I kind of wanted to go back to the laboratory and think about 
as I get into my forties and even into my fifties, what can I do yeah. to be smarter, mm-hmm. be stronger and, and still sustain a competitive race every now and then. And that's the thing I'm hyper-focused on. I like it. I, I, I think I would love probably more for just sort of experience to do UTLB one day. I think that's more because I'd like to take in, or really any major European race, I think would be just kind of a a cool experience. I don't even know from a racing perspective because they've gotten so big and so celebratory. I just think it would be neat and cool to be a part of that. So, so I hope to do some kind of major race one day, even if it's 20 years from now, like it, it when I maybe have a little bit more, more time yeah. to, to get over there, I, just because I think that would be a cool experience to, they love the sport so much, not that we don't, but sort of their culture with the skiing and the, the mountain culture in some of those towns, it's just so embedded. You see that in some of the mountain West here as well, yeah. but. I would like to experience that one day. It's crazy at UTMB. Last person I had on the podcast, Marianne Hogan, who placed yeah, podium. I know. She, I had to ask, I was like, how is it you're in these mountains and climbing up and all this, these crowd of people, you know, you're suffering and there's all these people cheering you on around you. It's just kind of a, you know, we're used to suffering alone for the most part, you know, and you got just a ton of people oh, everywhere. Man. It looks fun. Yeah, and we have great races oh, yeah. and great support yeah. around here with great volunteers, but just to see that many spectators on the trail yeah. and generally being pretty respectful, like it's yeah. just it's neat. Yeah. It's it's a it's a neat thing. Yeah, yeah, she's a great runner. And I think I saw that Courtney announced she's gonna try to do the impossible and go to UTMB after winning Western and Hard Rock and be the first person to ever to win all three in the same summer. Dude, I'll be her biggest leader here in a couple of weeks. Dude, I didn't realize that. I hadn't heard that. I she just she just announced it. I I get the impression, David, that it really was. I think she probably had it in the back of her mind. I don't know her, right, right. But I follow her, and I'm a fan, yeah, like everybody yeah. else. But just, I, I think she had it in the back of her mind, and she decided maybe a once in a life opportunity. I'm going to go for it, and I just freaking love that I, mentality because. Yeah. We have to, we have to take advantage of the opportunities when they present. I, I love her, her attitude and just the way she presents herself. I, I, I got to meet her, you know, she had been finished at Tahoe when I finished, but she was there hanging out, drinking a beer, asking me about how my race was and talking about, you know, I asked her about her future races and she just loves trying to see what we are capable of and what she's capable of. And, and, and I, know, uh, I just love that, that positivity and the way she goes into things, just, just crushing, man. It's, it's, it's amazing. She's so gifted. <laughs> and you've, and you've met her in person, talked to her and like visited with her, but it just feels, she even manages to make social media feel authentic. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. She does. She does. <laughs> like, which is a skill. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it is. It's like, yeah. So it's, it's just, it's really cool to see. And there's, there's other personalities that do yeah. that. I, I mentioned I'm a huge fan of like many of Killian, oh, yeah. and it's like they make it feel authentic even across the computer or the screen. And that's, that's really neat. It's inspiring actually. Yeah. And it makes you want to, makes you want to try to spread, run joyfully yourself yeah. when you can. And at least that's what it kind of makes me want. It do. does, man. It does. 
Man, well, Wesley, I know, I know you've got stuff going on and everything, man. And but dude, it's been, it's been great visiting with you and actually talking yeah, to you, man. We've shared some trail a little bit, but uh, to get to talk and yeah. I hope we get to share some trail again. I'll high five you when you're, you know, going back the other way when I'm still going out there, man. <laughs> no, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. But I, I, man, this is, this is great. I love what you're doing with the show, being informative, having some fun with your guests. So just thanks for inviting me, man. I, I know some of the names you've had on here too. So I just sincerely appreciate the opportunity to kind of talk a little bit. Oh man. And uh, chat with you. Well, thanks. Thanks for all you do. And, and, and. Really, I, I see I see you out there. I see you encouraging others, and and you're one of those guys that's real positive, and that's an encouragement to others. And so, man, just you keep doing what you're doing, man. I, I love watching it. And when you're, you know, when we're old men, we'll still be out there trying to do what we can do and and having fun doing it, man. <laughs> you got you got that right. I just I'll, I'll say it again: like approaching the sport with a certain amount of seriousness and having fun are not mutually exclusive. Like we can run strong and run happy and like do that at the same time. And it's like, I really believe that. And I hope, I hope we can do it for a long time, man. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Well, man, you take care and I'll be following along, man, for Leadville and Traveler. Kill it. Crush it. Hey, thanks. Thanks a lot, man. Reach out anytime. I hope, I hope we, hope we're on the trail together soon. Me too, brother. Thanks, Danny.